Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you here today. And uh, man, I don't even know what week it is, but it's week a lot of our quarantine and with the uh, stay-at-home order and everybody trying to stay home and stay safe. And uh, I have personally never wondered what it feels like to be under house arrest, and now I never will, okay? Because now I know the only thing that I am missing is an ankle bracelet. And so, uh, and you are probably the same. You know what it's like to be stuck in your home. Now, that's not to say that I'm not enjoying it because I actually, I kind of am discovering the fact that I think I'm made for this. I think I'm wired for this. So I'm enjoying it a little bit, but that's not to say that I'm not totally getting cabin fever. I mean, aren't you? I mean, aren't you like starting to go a little stir crazy? So cabin fever is when you start to go a little bit nuts. You go a little bit crazy from being trapped at home for an extended amount of time. And, uh, and even as I'm if I'm feeling like a little bit nuts and I'm feeling cabin fever, um, I've actually been tracking how other people have been dealing with their cabin fever on the internet because that's kind of fun. And so I want to share with you some the way some people have been dealing with their cabin fever. And maybe you will see in these folks a little bit of yourself. So I don't know if anybody has, has done this yet, but uh, this lady, she's dealing with her cabin fever by uh, doing makeup like her kids' pictures. And so that's nice. Good idea now. Uh, maybe like five years from now when this pops up in her newsfeed, she might have some regret. Um, and then this one too. I love this one. This is, I don't know, someone got an Amazon box and just thought, Hey, I'll be the Amazon box, a living Amazon box creature. So, I mean, these people are like, they're clearly, they clearly have cabin fever. They clearly do. And I don't know, maybe there's some things that you have done that have been a little nuts and a little crazy. There's a guy though that I discovered uh, on Twitter, and I love what he is doing. He's kind of documenting his cabin fever every day, so you should definitely check this guy out. Okay, so that's Dave Jorgensen. You should follow him at Dave Jorgensen if you just want to see what, what crazy stuff he's coming up with, but he has more. This one is my favorite. Interior crocodile alligator. I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. Interior crocodile alligator. Got it. The other day, Terry just dressed up because she just needed to dress up. Sometimes you need to just put clothes on, okay, just to feel normal. Here's like this one out. So that's our guy, Dave Jorgensen. I, I love what he's doing. He's, he's got Kevin fever, but he's dealing with it. He's coping. And I hope that you are coping because even though we're all dealing with different degrees of cabin fever, um, we all got to make it through, right? And so as I've been dealing with my own cabin fever, um, I have been kind of asking myself this question just because I've been curious. Are there any examples of people in the New Testament or people in the Bible who, who had to deal with situations like what we are going through right now? And the answer to that question is surprisingly yes, because in the first century, close to the end of his life, the apostle Paul, 
he was locked up under house arrest in Rome. And he was locked up under house arrest for two years, okay? Imagine two years of this. But it's not even just that, because three years before he was locked up in Rome, he was in another two-year period of, of imprisonment in Caesarea. So Paul was locked up. He knew what it was like to be to have cabin fever, to be just totally locked up. And so the question I then ask myself is, what's on Paul's mind when he's alone and he's distanced from the people that he cares about? What is he thinking about? What is he doing? What's important to him? Which kind of asks this question, is there anything that God wants to bring about out of, the, out of all of this? Is there anything good that he wants to do as a result of all of this? And as followers of Jesus, how should we respond to social isolation? How can we beat cabin fever? Now, we are in luck because Paul wrote several letters to, to different people and to different churches while he was imprisoned during this time. And those letters give us some insight into what he was thinking about, what he was feeling, and how he dealt with this cabin fever, and really how I think he would counsel others to deal with it too. And so we're going to take a look over the next several weeks at a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Philippi, and it is a letter in the New Testament called Philippians. And, and Paul starts by saying this in Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. He says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. Now, just a side note, I kind of love when he says, like, including the church leaders and deacons as if, like, they're an afterthought, as if, like, okay, I'm really writing to the people I like, and then if the church leaders and deacons, you know, they need to get involved, they can. It's kind of like when grandparents come over to the house, they really just want to see the grandkids. They really don't care about mom and dad. That's, like, what Paul is saying right here. But Paul continues here in verse 3. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. So we're really talking about background stuff right now, but this is important to get. These people are important to Paul. Like, he likes them. He, he like, likes them. And this is important for us to know because it means that what we're going to see in this letter to the Philippian church, it means we're going to get Paul's real thoughts. Okay, this is not just going to be stuff that is edited for politeness. We're going to get Paul's real thoughts to people who he actually really and genuinely cares about. He continues, You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you, and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Now, this is important because this tells us that the Philippians were going through the same stuff that Paul was because they shared with him the experience of both sharing the gospel with people, but being imprisoned for following Jesus. These people knew what it was like to be imprisoned for their faith. And this is actually no surprise if you, if you understand how the Philippian church even really started at all. And we, we can see a window into that in, in Acts chapter 16. And just for background, Paul went to, to Philippi to spread the gospel and to start a church. And in the course of all of this, uh, basically he set free an enslaved girl who was, who was a slave 
in order to tell people's fortunes. And her masters, her owners, made money off of her. And when, and when Paul freed her, things just went hog wild crazy. And this is what happened in, in the city of Philippi. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. Uh, these, these men shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And then a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. And so he put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. So these were people who knew imprisonment. These were people who knew what it was like to have others come against them because of their Christian faith. They knew confinement. They knew separation. They knew social distancing. And Paul is literally under these exact same circumstances as well because he's literally under house arrest as he's writing a letter to this Philippian church who perhaps a portion of this church are under arrest and imprisoned as well. And so in in the interest of background, I mean, we're just talking background even right now. In the interest of that, these people knew sickness too. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church uh, because... The Philippians sent a man named Epaphroditus to Paul, and they sent him in order to bring gifts to help Paul out while he was in prison, just to encourage him. And, and look at what Paul says about Epaphroditus here at the end of the, the Philippian letter he writes. It says that, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. So Epaphroditus is sent to Paul to encourage and help him, and he gets sick. He gets, he gets very sick. Paul says that he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. He risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. So again, just as background, the Philippian church, they knew what it was like to be in prison. They understood distance from, they understood distance from people. They understood social distancing. They understood isolation. They understood confinement. And, and Paul and the Philippian church, I mean, they also understand the fear that comes from life-threatening illness. They understood uh, in this context what it is like to, to be afraid that a disease could take your life or take the life of someone who loves you. And so it is in this context, this is the background, in this context that we understand really well right now, social distancing, isolation, a fear of illness and sickness and disease. It's in this context that Paul says this in Philippians 1 verse 10. It says, For I want you to understand what really matters. What really matters when we're separated? What really matters when we are stuck at home? And what really matters when we are afraid of, of illness that we might catch or that someone we love might catch? What really matters when everything around us is changing? And Paul says this, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Let me read that again. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding because I want you to understand this. This is what really matters. Have you ever heard the the old country term picking and grinning like you go down in the south terry laughs she thinks that's funny she's like i know what that means but like you know you go down south down alabama way 
and you'd be like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm just picking and a grinning. You know, it's kind of a, a, a saying like everything's going great. I'm just picking my guitar and smiling. Well, I think Paul would say this. When we, when we ask what really matters when we're separated, when we're socially distanced, when we're fa- afraid of illness, what really matters? Loving and a grinning or loving and growing. <laughs> <laughs> loving and growing, man. Like that's what really matters. And Paul says it in Philippians uh, 1.9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and, and understanding. What really matters? Loving and a growing. Okay, so why does it matter? What happens when we do this? Check this out. Paul continues to write this in verse 10. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So the first thing he wants for us is to experience this this purity and this, this, this perfection of life that God has for each and every single one of us right now here on earth. Not some eternity in heaven, but a quality of life that God has for us now. And then he goes on to describe that. He says, I want you to always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, this character that's produced in your life by Jesus Christ. And it will bring you glory and it'll bring praise and glory to God as well. See, Paul wants for us to live the best life that we can possibly live here on earth now. He wants us to be transformed and and changed into the image of Jesus, knowing this, that when that happens, we're filled with joy, we're filled with hope, life, and purpose, meaning that can only come when we are, are, are like Jesus. That's what really matters. And that comes when we love. That comes when, when our love overflows more and more, and, and when we keep growing in our knowledge and understanding. And so what, what would Paul say to us? What do we do when we're, you know, under house arrest? He would say this, grow in your love and grow in your, in your knowledge and understanding of God and in your relationship with him. And I would just, I would just challenge you, okay? Because there have been times where I've kind of walked through this process of, of the quarantine and felt like, oh, this stinks. I just want to go. I'm so tired of this. I want life to go back to normal. But let me challenge you to change your perspective, okay? I want you to think about this. I want you to instead to think about this as some sort of punishment or something that maybe you have lost. I want you to think about this time as a gift because this time is a gift. This is a gift from God. It's time God has given us as a gift to love others and to grow in Christ. And if we can look at this as an opportunity that God has given us to become like him, that can change everything for us. You see, we may look at this as house arrest, as prison, but I kind of think that Paul didn't really look at his imprisonment as that because Paul was still effective in his ministry. Paul was still growing in his faith. Paul was obviously still loving people because he loved the Philippian church in very real and tangible ways. He prayed for them. He encouraged them. He lifted them up. I don't think Paul looked at his imprisonment as prison. I think he probably looked at it more like a cocoon or an incubator, believing this, that, that his time in prison was really a gift from God to become more than he was, to become like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to know Jesus, to be, and to be transformed into his image. And just like a, you know, a a caterpillar in a cocoon, we can be transformed coming out of all of this if we invest in what really matters during this time. And that's this, 
loving and a growing. So how do we do it? What is what does that look like for us? And I would just encourage you to ask yourself a couple of questions, okay? Because if this is if this time is a gift, if this time is time that that I have with my family that I would never have otherwise had. In fact, just a side note, okay? Uh, yesterday I was talking with Terry and we had a, a foster daughter in our home for a little while, um, a little bit ago, and and it was and one of the things that that we we wrestled with a little bit was the reality that our family had shifted and had changed quite a bit, and and so we we mourned somewhat this sense that maybe this could have been the last time that it was just the five of us um, as a nuclear family before things had changed and maybe we weren't even ready for it and weren't prepared for it. And so Terry was talking about how she, we had been feeling that. And yet now, as if some gift, God has given us this time where the five of us are crammed in the house just together nonstop. So if this time is a gift, if this time with my family is time I would never have otherwise had, how do we love others? We, we make this about relationships. We make it about relationships with, with other people and our relationship with God. And so ask yourself this question, in this time, how am I loving and how is my love overflowing more and more? Who are you praying for? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you encouraging? Who are you trying to build stronger relational connections with? And who are you trying to lift up who you know might be struggling right now? And then ask yourself this question, how am I growing more and more like Jesus? I can tell you, I've talked to lots of people and I have used this excuse in my life on my own. Why haven't I grown closer to Jesus? Why don't I spend more time in the word or praying? Because I just don't have any time. I don't have any time to do that. Life is too busy. It's crazy. Those excuses are gone. God's given you a gift in order to love others, to love the, your family and the people you're with and others you can connect with and to grow in your knowledge of him more than you ever could before because we have the time to do it. It may feel like house arrest, but it's a cocoon. And I'm telling you right now, God has a plan and purpose for this. God wants to grow you. He wants to grow me. And he wants to develop us into the image of Christ. He wants us to know the fruit of our salvation. He wants us to bear fruit, fruit that's good for us, fruit that's good for others. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as you deal with this, as you, as you struggle with cabin fever, what is the first thing you can do? And it's, it's relationships. Invest in letting your love overflow for others and, and invest in knowing and growing closer to Jesus. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that even in all of this, that you are still working. And that God, while there are those of us who, you know, this time at home is not that big a deal, I also know that there are others who are really struggling right now and they're really having a hard time. And I just ask God that wherever we are, wherever we fall on that spectrum, that you would help us to recognize what matters most. And that's loving and growing. That our love overflows for others in tangible, real, practical ways. And that God, we are pursuing our knowledge and our understanding of you, spending time in your word, spending time in prayer, growing in our relationship with you. Because this is what really matters. And at the end of all of this, Father, my prayer is that each of us come out of it stronger in those things that really matter. And I pray that you would make us more into the image of Jesus, more into the church that you want us to be, reaching people with the gospel, making God accessible to everyone, and transforming and changing our world. Lord, I thank you, and I pray this all in your holy name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.